0: front star begins
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to access at gmail.com. just want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. FGR was birthed out of the burden to help those in our community and congregations who've come out of a difficult past and an addictive lifestyle. and We are giving away a Paul Horning autographed a home green Beckett style from a pristineauction.com jersey, okay? And if you guys want to enter yourself into that contest, just go to my Twitter page, at Packers underscore access. You'll see a tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. Uh, Just make sure you retweet that tweet. And follow the account that'll enter you into the contest one time. And if you'd like to enter yourself into the contest uh, multiple times, you will notice there's another tweet attached to that pin tweet that'll give you an opportunity to donate to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. For every five dollars you donate, you'll be entered into the contest one additional time. So there's no limit on how much you can donate and how many times you can be entered into that contest. And that's kind of how we like to give things away here on the show. We want to give back, and you know I've got kind of a budget set to to donate certain, uh, you know, memorabilia or fan experiences, things like that, just to kind of give back to the listeners. Cause we definitely appreciate you taking the time to, to subscribe to the channel and, and follow us on Twitter and all that good stuff. So uh, kind of cool. Cause we're going to the Rams game, um, leaving out here this Wednesday and, and going to spend a week in green Bay, really excited to get back up there in the Bay and, and just absolutely love the people up there but we uh when we first launched this podcast we did a giveaway uh for a Monday night football Rams ticket and Mr. Seth Ruder won that and I uh, actually been in uh, communication with him earlier today and uh, we were chatting back and forth just kind of getting the the weekend planned out and he's going to be going to the tailgate party with us over there at D2 Sports Bar uh sports bar and uh and grill there close to Lambo and uh that was you know like I said he won that ticket he actually uh um, entered himself into the first contest and donated to an awesome cause where we actually raised uh, money to get a seizure service dog for Drew, one of the listeners to the podcast. So uh, just a way to kind of give back and have a good time while we do it. I'm really, really looking forward to hanging out with Seth. Uh, seems like a great guy. Uh, looking forward to to meeting him, eating good food and hanging out and watching the Packers play the Rams. It's going to be a great time. So uh, on today's show, um, we're going to do a little history and probably getting one of two reactions right now. Either somebody's like, yes, I love the history segments, or somebody just skipped ahead to the next podcast. Either's fine with me. Do what you got to do. Right. But it's a slow week. And um, you know, we might hit on some some playoff scenario stuff that's been updated on the end of the show, but you know, there's literally nothing coming out of Lambeau right now. Um, I just just checked the wire again one more time to make sure I wasn't missing any news, any updates, any press conferences, anything. Seems like nobody's in the building. If they are, obviously the press isn't allowed in right now uh, during this bye week. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of rewind the clock, right? We're going to hop in the time machine, and we're going to go back to the very, very, very early days, the very founding year, of the Green Bay Packers, which was 1919. And you guys know I've already covered Curly Lambeau. We've talked about that original season uh there in 1919, talked about some of the great players. We talked about the benefit game they had for uh you know and raised money for one of the players that got hurt in a railroad accident. We've covered a lot of stuff, especially in the offseason. And guys, we're gonna dig back into that big time this coming offseason as well, right? That's something that we're gonna we're going to really uh, make the staple of this podcast uh, in the offseason when, when things are kind of slow as far as news cycles, right, in between free agency, in between the draft and all those things. But since we got a bye week, I thought, why not break out Cliff Crystal's book, The Greatest Story in Sports, which is basically a, a four-volume set here um, that's just put together. Guys, this is this is literally the Bible for any Green bay Packers fan in my opinion you guys have got to pick it up and it's it's actually quite affordable for the the amount of material that you get i felt like it was priced very fairly um but in one of one of the uh opening uh chapters here I guess you could say there's a uh, a part that's called a slice of a fan's life in 1919 so what I thought we would do is you know we always hear about Lambeau field and and I know Lambeau field is, one of the reasons why I'm a Packer fan, you know, I kept hearing about the historic Lambeau Field. That's, I heard about that concept. I'm like, what, what is the big deal about this Lambeau Field? Right. And, and I know you guys have heard the story probably so many times you're tired of hearing it, but in short, I picked up a DVD set to kind of see what's the big deal about this place. What's the big deal about Green Bay, Wisconsin? And I watched that NFL films, History of the Green Bay Packers. And it was literally like two weeks later. I was in green Bay watching them play Chicago. Like I had, I had to go experience it myself. I fell in love with the franchise, fell in love with the history, all that stuff. Right. And, you know, we, we talk about Lambeau all the time and how it's this big, you know, kind of the Mecca of professional football, especially, you know, with the national football league, it's kind of that stadium that everybody pretty much agrees that look, if, if you had to, if you had to eliminate every stadium in the league and just have one to play all the games in, I think, the majority of fans would say, yeah, we got to do it at Lambo. There's just so much history there. Cold weather football. Everything is just awesome about it. Right. Uh, you know, partially grass field uh, and, you know, that's becoming a big topic amongst current players, you know, with injuries uh, on turf and all that stuff. So, um, just a really cool place. But uh, I think a lot of times what's swept to the wayside, um, is where the Packers actually originally started playing. You know, we talk about 1919, how the, uh, you know, Curly Lambeau was approached by George Calhoun, was an editor at the Green Bay Press Gazette. Uh, Lambeau had just come home from Notre Dame. He played one year there for Newt Rockney. Started as a freshman, got sick, came home, decided to stay home, or he ended up trying to go back and then and just came back to Green Bay. Started working in a meat packing company, and George Calhoun said, "Hey, have you have you thought about putting a team together here?" So they throw together this sandlot team. And basically, Lambeau puts a a team together of his former uh, teammates in high school there in the Green Bay area. And if you guys watch Leatherheads, I imagine it's very similar how they recruited most of those guys. You know, they were pulling them out of the mines and everything and and just say, anything you can do to to get money together for equipment, let's go play football and pass the hat, right? But that's kind of how they were formed. Well, they had to have a place to play, right? And the very first year in 1919, they played at a place called Hegemeister Park, right? Which is in modern day known as joanne's park from what i understand and there's uh, there can be a lot of confusion about the exact location of this place and what's cool is when i go up to green bay this week one of my goals is i'm going to go and take pictures of curly Lambeau's childhood home it's still standing and i'm going to try to find the old green bay press gazette building if not the exact building definitely the location on cherry street and then we're also going to go try to find where hegemaster park was and that was, like I said, where they played the first time. So I've got the Wicca page pulled up here, and we're just going to kind of read uh, right off the page here and kind of give you an idea so we can come away from this history segment kind of understanding where they played their their first, you know, however many years before 1957 and Lambeau was built, right? So Hegemeister Park was the name of a park in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It was the home of the Green Bay Packers from their founding in 1919 and their first two seasons playing in the National Football League, 1921 and 1922. It says it was owned by Hegemeister Brewery. The park was located on the northern end of Washington Park, now Joanne's Park. It was a classic sandlot located near, and I'm going to screw some of these names up. Just bear with me. And I know a lot of a lot of the Wisconsin Wisconsinites that are listening to this podcast are going to correct me in real time. That's totally cool. Um, it says near Baird, I believe is how you say it, or Bard, and Walnut Streets adjacent to the East River. The playing field was roped off from the spectator standing area. It's like, guys, there was no fence. There was no railing. There was no, you know, nothing to separate. I don't even know if there were stands that first year. It doesn't sound like there was. There was literally just a rope saying, hey, this is the playing field. Everybody stay back. Right. There were no ushers, band or public address system. There were there's also there also were no gates. Since there was not a fence, spectators would jump off the streetcar and walk to the sideline to watch. Imagine that, right off the streetcar, right onto the sidelines, and, and watching a ball game being played—it's just so cool. Fans who drove to the game could park their cars about ten yards behind the ropes, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. Fans often sat in their cars or on top of them, almost. Although most stood on the sidelines, following the action up and down the field. At halftime, the teams adjourned to opposite end zones and discussed tactics. For the second half, spectators would form a ring around the players and join in the discussions. So imagine you're playing this ball game, right? And all right, it's halftime. You go to the north end zone. We'll go to the south end zone. Let's go take us a quick breather. Let's kind of get a game plan together. And fans would circle around the team. You can only imagine the conversations that were taking place. I bet it was hilarious, man. Um, George Whitney Calhoun, a writer for the Green Bay Press-Gazette and the club's unofficial press representative, would pass a hat among the spectators for donations. In 1920, a small section of the grandstand was built um, on one side of the field with a capacity of a few hundred, and a fee was charged to sit there. In 1921, a portable canvas fence was erected around the entire field and a regular admission fee was inaugurated. Um, Yeah, says removal. Hegemaster Park was torn down in 1923 to make way for the new Green Bay East High School, and the Packers moved their their games to Bellevue Park. They would return to a site north of the park two years later at City Stadium. So that kind of gives you a hint, and and this is what's so cool is like – I'm sure locals know all of the details, especially some of the older folk um, of exactly where it was at. But little things like this, little clues that you can pick up on it and jot down notes in your phone. And when I go up there, I'm going to kind of piece it together and, and figure exactly where it's at. But it's my understanding that where Green East Green Bay High School stands today, that's where the original field was or at least one corner. And in this book, they actually draw an outline of where it's estimated to exactly, uh, you know, its exact location. So, but again, Hegemeister Park is where the Green Bay Packers started there in 1919. And, uh, I think all the way through 1923, if I understood correctly. Right. So let's kind of hit pause before we move on to Bellevue Park and let's talk about, and this is in Cliff Crystal's book. This is really, really cool. It says, Slice of a Fan's Life in 1919. And the first bullet point here says, In the Packers' first season, most fans watched the game along the sidelines of a marked-out gridiron in Hegemeister Park. The sprawling 57-acre park included more than 19 acres in the Hegemeister section, north of Walnut Street, and 38 acres in the Joanny section, which was south of Walnut. Only steps from the park's playing field was the Hegemeister Park Club house. One of Green Bay's most popular social centers, located near the northeast corner of Walnut and Bard Street. The clubhouse had two stories with porches that ran the length of the building. It also included a large ballroom, a dining room and bowling lanes. Two other buildings near the field were an armory and a roller rink. So this was kind of the the happening place to be in Green Bay. In the, uh, in the early 20s, it sounds like, this, this park area, right? It says attendance for the Packers' first game on September 14th was estimated to be around 1,500 spectators. So the very first game, September 14th, 1,500 people showed up to watch them play football in this just open field with a rope around it. That's pretty cool. Kickoff was 3 o'clock for the Packers' first seven uh, home games. Then 2:30 for the last one played on November 9th. By then, sunset was at 4:30, and there were no lights at the field. The coldest high temperature for the Packers' eight home games was 41 degrees on October 26th, with no precipitation. A half inch of rain fell that day, uh, fell the day of the Packers' second game. Fans were asked to park their automobiles. Listen to this: at least six feet from the sideline. So imagine, literally, the out-of-bounds line. Right. And you've got this rope and six feet away. Everybody's cars were parked. And like they said in the, the original, they may be sitting in their car if it was a cold or a rainy day. If it was you know a nice day, they'd be sitting out on top of their cars watching the game. Man, I bet that was a sight to see. There's got to be pictures of that somewhere. And I would love to be able to to be able to locate those for sure. Um, fans were invited to travel with the Packers by train on their three road trips to games in. And I'm going to screw this up. Ishpeming? Ishpeming, maybe? Michigan, um, Stombog, Michigan, and Beloit, Wisconsin fans could call the Packers management for reservations, but spaces were limited. Watching a game could be like spending time in the Wild West. Quote, there wasn't much regulation of the crowd, you know. Carl Zoll, uh, one of the original Packers, said more than 40 years ago, quote, they would be pretty tight along the sidelines, and once in a while, some drunk will come up on the field and make some trouble. A pro wrestler in the offseason, Zoe, uh, also said it wasn't unusual for a belligerent fan to be looking for a fight when the players were leaving the field. Quote, after every game, a couple of fellows will be laying for you, he said. I love that. They'd be laying for you, just hanging out, right, waiting for you to walk through. Quote, you just grab one fella and give him a flip and the rest of them would take off. (laughs) So, so like Zoe wasn't a, a man to be messed with for sure. So I thought that was a really cool section of Cliff Crystal's book. Just kind of laying out what it was like as a fan in 1919, you know I mean? You go out there, you could sit, if you got there early, you could sit right along the sideline on top of your car, having you a cold beverage. There's a skating rink close by. There's like a pro house, all that stuff. And then, of course, if you uh if you were feeling a little bit frisky, you could have a, a former pro wrestler give you a hip toss. Pretty good stuff. So I thought that was awesome. Um, let's move on to 1924 and let's go to Bellevue Park. So, of course, they move on from Hegemeister Park to Bellevue. OK, and uh, here's the description of Bellevue Park, and it's showing that it is actually east of Joanne's Park. OK, so this isn't a part of Hegemeister Park. Hegemeister Park, the way they described it, <clears throat> excuse me was west of joannes park and closer to the river to the fox river and then um bellevue sat on the east side of another branch of a small river here it looks like according to the map and i, I can't tell what that stream may be it's much smaller than the fox river though uh, maybe it's it might be known as the east river or something like that it seems like i've read something along those lines but if you guys know hit me up on twitter hit me up in an email and uh, and let me know what you know about it but again um, Bellevue was quite a bit east of Joannis Park. It looked like what would probably be the equivalent to maybe three or four blocks, but it looked like it was open space, probably, you know, wooded area, things like that. But it says Bellevue was the name of a stadium used for football games in what is today Green Bay, Wisconsin. The, uh, the park was just east of Hegemeister Brewery, which was renamed the Bellevue Products Company uh, during Prohibition and was located just east of Bard Creek, Along Main Street in the village of Preble, Wisconsin. Um, A minor league baseball park, it was the home of the Green Bay Packers of the National Football League in 1923 and 1924. Bellevue Park was the second home venue of the Packers, who had previously played their home games at Hegemaster Park. During their tenure at Bellevue Park, the Packers became more popular with game attendance ranging from 4,000 to 5,000 spectators. Because Bellevue was lacking virtually, every facility required for football and was uh, too far out of town. In 1925, the Packers moved their games to the then brand new city stadium. So Bellevue just kind of bridged that gap.
0: We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five.
1: And it looks like just a couple of years, actually, maybe just one year. looks like in 1924 was the only year that they played there. So that's pretty cool stuff there. So Bellevue, again, you can kind of see they stayed on the east side of the Fox River. As you guys know, uh, modern-day Lambeau Field was built on the west side of Green Bay, and and we did a pass – um, kind of uh, history segment on the city of Green Bay and, and, you know, the difference between East and West and that type of thing. So um, pretty cool that that all gets kind of tied in together. Let's move on to City Stadium now. City Stadium was – uh the home of the packers from 1925 to 1956 and a lot of people don't know this they just assume that you know the casual football fan would just assume that you know Lambeau's been around since the the founding of the packers right and then when you hear 1957 people it, you know just your casual football fan it kind of you see a lot go off like holy cow they've been around even longer than that yes yeah, since 1919 we actually predate the National Football League, which is really cool. but City Stadium is an American football stadium in Green Bay Wisconsin on the north side of the Green Bay East High School property. It was the home of the Green Bay Packers of the NFL from 1925 through 1956. Renovated and downsized, City Stadium remains the home of East High. Prior to 1925 the Packers played home games at nearby Hegemeister Park, the side of East Green Bay High itself and Bellevue Park. okay, so the history it says that the horseshoe shaped Stadium, was made of wood and originally did not have any toilet facilities. It stood, and I always heard the stories on NFL films of how the guys would say that they would go behind the bleachers to, you know, use the restroom because there wasn't one. It stood behind East Green Bay High and next to the East River. So it was right along the East River. I've actually got an overhead camera shot of it hanging here in my studio, and um, you can see the river. I mean, it is butted up right against the river for sure. The Packers use the school for locker room facilities, but visiting teams often dressed at their hotel, usually the Hotel Northland. You guys know um, I've talked about the Hotel Northland several times. We're actually going to have dinner there. My wife and I are going to have dinner there while we're in town. Really excited about that because the players spend a lot of time at the Hotel Northland. Uh, before the game, rather than use the lockers at East High, the stadium originally seated 6,000, and its capacity was gradually expanded 25,000. The Packers compiled a record of 88-41-7, a 673 winning percentage at City Stadium including NFL championship season championship seasons in 1929, 1930, 1931, 1936, 1939 and 1944. However, City Stadium never hosted an NFL championship game of the four championship games the Packers played. And during the years of City Stadium, the team hosted only one, the 1931 title game, which was played in Milwaukee instead. You guys know I talked about Curly Lambeau catching a lot of flack. He caught a lot of heat from the town of Green Bay and and the Packer fans because they decided to play that game in Milwaukee rather than Green Bay. And the fans in Green Bay were livid over it. Um, Although City Stadium was the Packers' official home field in 1933 during the worst of the Great Depression, they began to play part of their home schedule in Milwaukee. After holding one contest at Borchert Field in 1933, the Packers played two or three home games each year in Milwaukee at State Fair Park in West Allis from 1934 to 1951 and at Marquette Stadium in 1952. The games were moved to County Stadium after it opened in 1953. The practice continued through 1994, after which they were again based solely in Green Bay. While it's playing surface, let me, let me hit pause there a second. What's really cool about that, you know, a lot of people in Milwaukee felt the Packers kind of turned their back on Milwaukee because, I mean, you got to face it, guys, the 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 city of Milwaukee really helped prop up the Green Bay Packers for a long time because, they drew big crowds in the larger city of Milwaukee, of course, right? So when they decided to move it all the way back to Green Bay with the, you know, the revamping of Lambeau Field and just say, look, we need those extra home games here. That's why they created um, certain ticket packages for the uh, the citizens of Milwaukee or that specific county, if I remember correctly. I think it might be called—I don't want to screw it up. You know, they got things like called the Gold Package and things like that. They had a specific package that allowed. Um, the uh, the residents of Milwaukee and that surrounding area uh, to be able to purchase tickets for those packages, and it was a way for the Packers to to repay them for allow for propping them up for so many years in a larger city that was Milwaukee. I just think it's cool that they kind of felt the, that that uh, common ground for sure. Um, while its playing surface was consistently praised by the 1950s, the stadium um, was seen to be too small and inadequate after even after expansion which was limited by both natural and man-made factors including both East High to the south and the East River on its north and east edges the uh, the leaders of the NFL including George Hollis gave the Packers board an ultimatum build a new stadium or move to Milwaukee full time the residents of green bay responded by approving a 70.3% 70.3% a bond issue in April 1956 to build a new city stadium, which opened the following year as old city stadium became a high school field. The new stadium was renamed Lambeau field in August of 1965. After the death of team founder, I'm going to say co-founder because we all know that, uh, you know, George Calhoun was the co-founder of team co-founder Curly Lambeau, and has become one of the most revered venues in all of American sports. It says after the Packers in recent years, Um, fencing and monuments to the history of the field, meaning City Stadium, has been erected. Before the 2008 renovations, it was often referred to as East Stadium or Old City Stadium. The 100th Green Bay East West football game was played at City Stadium in 2005 with approximately 8,000 people attending the historic event. As an observance of the 50-year anniversary of the opening of Lambeau Field, the Packers held practice at City Stadium on July 31st, 2007. It's so cool that the Packers always go back and pay homage to um, the history of their team, of their organization like that. Just little things like that. Just having a practice at City Stadium on July 31st, 2007. Um, I, I specifically remember that, and it wasn't as big a deal to me then because I wasn't as embedded into the Packers' history and, and being a Packer fan as, as much as I am now. But looking back on it, man, what a what a really cool thing to do. In the summer of 2008, City Stadium was renovated with a, a new press box, new bleachers on the home side of the field, and two new football goalposts. Much of the structure had dated to the 1960s and become unsafe. The field received artificial turf in 2017. The only remaining part of the original venue is the equipment shed at the northwest corner of the facility. In addition to football, the field has hosted soccer matches. Until 2004, the Green Bay East and Green Bay Preble soccer soccer programs shared the field for their home games. And it's got some pictures here. If you guys get a chance, if you're not from Green Bay, if you haven't seen it on a regular basis or never seen it at all, if you just Google search it, to see the, the, the iron, the, uh, the fencing that they put up around the field and, and just the font of old city state or city stadium that's, that's there on the original sign and everything is just such a really cool place. I'm excited about going up there and just kind of rewalking, retracing the foot, the footsteps of the original Green Bay Packers. Right. And, um and just kind of getting an idea of, of the lay of the land a little bit better I rode by City Stadium the first time I ever went to Green Bay. I made I made three stops that were important to me. I wanted to go see City Stadium and we just kind of cruised by and seen where it was at. I wanted to see Curly Lambeau's uh um burial site, right? His uh his tombstone there in uh I think I'm saying it right, Alloway is how you say it, I believe. Um, which is, you know, the Fox River runs right through the middle of Green Bay. It's in the what I would consider the southeastern part. Of Green Bay, it might even be outside of city limits, but we spent about forty-five minutes down there um, looking for his his gravesite, and we found it. That was really cool. And then, of course. Um, we wanted to go to uh, you know Lambeau, the Packer Hall of Fame, all that stuff, which we were going to a game anyway. So those are the three things up on the list. This time the list is going to expand. We're going to see Curly Lambeau's home. We're going to try to see the location of the old Green Bay Press Gazette building. Um, there's also a spot where it was Vince Lombardi's front office was actually located on that side of town, from what I understand. And uh, you know the front office of the Green Bay Packers at the time. We're going to try to see where um, Hegemeister Park was, as well as where Bellevue stood. And uh, just check out some of these spots. It's going to be really, really cool. Oh, and the Hotel Northland too is on our list. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Again, it's a slow week, so I thought, why not kind of walk back in time and talk about where the Packers played before Lambeau? And you know, as as much as much as we like to admire Lambeau Field and how much we appreciate it, and, and it is the best venue in all of, uh, I think, professional sports, definitely in the National Football League. Um. It's important to understand that long before Lambeau Field was even built, there were other sites, and uh, this team goes back so far. I just think it's really, really important to kind of not forget those things, and um, that's the goal of any history segment we do here is to make sure that that we don't lose sight of uh, of just the small beginnings that the Green Bay Packers had, right, and and how far they've come as an organization over the years. So I just think it's very important. Um, All right, so as we get ready to wrap up, I just want to hit on the remaining schedule. And then um, also uh, there was a tweet that went out from uh, AcmePackingCompany.com talking about playoff scenarios. We're going to hit on it real briefly because, again, guys, these change so – I mean, they change. They're going to change pretty much every game that's played. These playoff scenarios are going to change. But let's talk about first – the first step for the Packers to make the playoffs. And we know it's a long shot. Some people are rolling their eyes. I totally get it. I don't care. Until we're eliminated, man, I'm going down on the ship. I'm playing the violin on the freaking Titanic. We're going to hold out hope until there's no hope left, and then we'll talk about playing younger players and moving on to the next the next year. But right now, the Packers have to win out to give themselves a chance, to the best of my knowledge. There, there's one scenario I heard where they don't have to win all of their games, but I'm sorry. I, we At this point, you've got to win out to have a, a realistic shot, in my opinion so obviously Monday Night football coming up we got the rams right that's going to be monday december 19th um that's the game i'll be at jacob will be there with me like i said seth one of the listeners of the pod will be there with us we're going to meet up with several other people from the team i know justin's going to be there um they're going to be freezing their keister off we're going to be up there in about 67 degrees in the luxury suite so <laughs> we'll uh we'll we'll throw a toast to them occasionally up there from the warmth of our seat and uh it made me think of Dumb and Dumber. Remember when he had the gloves on here? You know, you can have a, uh, have, a, have an extra pair of my gloves. My hands are sweating, right? We're going to be looking down there like, man, it's kind of hot up here. I'm going to take my sweatshirt off, guys. Sorry you're down there freezing your keisters off. But um, anyway, Packers-Rams Monday Night Football, got to win that one. Then the following week, Sunday, December 25th, Christmas Day, 1 o'clock. I'm excited about this. The only thing that sucks is it's going to be in Miami. The Packers are going to be playing at the Miami Dolphins. I just can't get with warm weather Christmas. I don't know, man. I'm I'm old fashioned like that. But again, Christmas Day, hanging out with the family. You've already opened your gifts. Everybody's just kind of chilling, eating, you know, Christmas dinner. If you hadn't started yet, um, it, you can, you know, you smell it cooking. Packers kicking off at one o'clock, and if we do come out on top against the Rams, and playoff hopes should still be alive there against the dolphins and that makes it even even more enjoyable so again christmas day one o'clock against the dolphins got to win that one then we got the vikings at home on new year's day guys new year's day 425 kickoff sun's going to be setting going to be colder than a well diggers booty and we got the vikings at home if anything let's try to knock them out of, of having a higher seed right let's let's come out and thump their freaking heads and this is why I have such an issue with tanking for better picks. Like, this is so much more enjoyable. You're telling me that you would rather see the Packers lose to the Vikings so you can have a better draft pick. I don't understand that. I don't ever want to see the Packers lose to the Vikings. You kidding me? And we got a shot to come out. You know, they just lost a a tough one there against Detroit. Let's say they come out and they lose next week, right? And then we come out on January 1st. Um, I think there might be another game in between and we got a chance to beat them on down in the standings, let's freaking do it. But again, 425 kickoff, January 1st, New Year's Day, that'll be a fun one to watch. And then, of course, the last game of the season, time is to be determined because, guys, if the Packers win out and the Lions continue on their tear, there's a good possibility that the Packers-Lions game on January 8th could decide that last, if not one of the final playoff spots um, in the NFC. Guys, that's exciting, and it's at Lambeau freaking Field January 8th. It's going to be cold, a chance for snow. It just doesn't get any better than that. So let's talk about scenarios. I'm not going to lay all four scenarios. Well, I guess I could. Let's do it. Um, We got time. Scenario one, remember, the Packers have got to win out. We win all four of our final games, right? And we need the Giants to go one and four or worse to finish no better than eight, eight, and one, and we need the Commanders to go one and three or worse to finish no better than eight, eight, and one. So we need to win out, and we need the Giants to to win no more than eight games and the Commanders to win no more than eight games. If that happens, the Packers are in the playoffs. Guys, that's very doable when you look at their remaining schedule. We're not going to get into all that. Here's scenario two. The Giants or the Commanders finish no better than eight, eight, and one, and the Seahawks win the NFC West. And the 49ers go one and four or worse to finish no better than nine and eight. That one now you're starting to see okay, these scenarios probably not likely. Scenario three, the Giants or the Commanders to finish no better than eight and one or eight, eight and one, and the Seahawks to go one and four to finish at eight and nine. That gets us in. That that one seems a little bit more doable. Uh, scenario four. Is the Giants or the Commanders finish no better than eight, eight and one, and the Seahawks go two and three to finish nine and eight, and the Seahawks go one and two in the remaining conference games, or finish with worse strength of uh, victory than the Packers. So it may come down to like a three-way tiebreaker there, to where it's going to come down to uh, strength of victory um, between the Packers and the Seahawks. That's a that's a possibility. Now here's what's cool we like i said we know i think the packers chances of making the playoffs is something like 11%, right? highly unlikely. but we're still playing for something. These games still mean something. Every single game, it's a one week season, it's a one game season. Every single game is a playoff game from here on out, guys. That's I don't know, man, that's exciting to me. Uh, given how the 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 uh the season kind of I don't want to say started because, you know, you obviously you lose to the Vikings, you win against the Bucs, and then you kind of go into this tailspin after a couple of wins, right? Um, given that situation, the fact that we've still got an opportunity to make the playoffs – and you've got the emergence of Christian Watson. We want to see him continue to, to play at a high level, right? We want to continue to see Rudy Ford kind of uh, surprise people at the safety position, you know, if he if he continues to play over Savage or if they play Savage in the slot like they did before. Um, there's a lot of things to kind of look for. in Inigbare to see how he's going to come along, right? To see if Zach Tom gets playing time over Bakhtiari, which it's sounding like, you know, they're – They're close to shutting him down possibly because of the emergency surgery and all that. There's a lot of things to to take into consideration with these young players. Romeo Dobbs is going to be playing this week against the Rams. I'm so excited to see him and Christian Watson on the field together, right? Good or bad, who knows? Romeo Dobbs may not live up to the expectations we've all unfairly set for him, right? Although I don't think he's shying away from him at all. But we're going to kind of get that. That question answered. We're going to be able to check that off the list and know exactly what we've got there with Romeo Dobbs, you know, by the end of the season. And then of course, if it gets to the point where the Packers are eliminated, there's a good possibility they may put Aaron on IR. And then we get to see Jordan Love play. There's a lot of things to look forward to for the rest of the season. And I know it can be doom and gloom, but I mean the fact that they come out last week and played the way that they did and, and are fighting back. And like Aaron said, we're not dead yet. You know, they're just trying to battle back, right? Um I don't know, I'm I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. I think it's going to be fun. So, again, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, Just wanted to kind of cover a few things there, give you a little bit of history. I thought it would be cool to cover what it was like to be a Green Bay Packer fan in 1919. Just love kind of, you know, drawing that, uh, uh, I don't know, that picture in your mind, right, using your imagination to think what it was like back then. I could see the old beer signs, and I could just – you know, you could smell the, the hot dog vendors on the streets and all those things. Just like, I don't know, man, I, I swear, I think I was born, a, you know, uh, just in the wrong time period. I always used to say, I, I think I should have been born in the fifties because I was enamored by the forties and fifties. But now it, it's, you know, the more I dig into the early 1900s is amazing. And of course I'm, Completely infatuated with, uh, you know, the 1700s and the, and the the colonial America era and and all the history that goes along with that for sure. But um, again, a fan's life in 1919. And we got got to talk about Hegemeister Park. We got to talk about Bellevue Park a touch, uh, City Stadium and 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 the role it played there from 1925 to 56 and all those championships uh, there in the Curly Lambeau years. And uh, then, like I said, just kind of lay out. Little Packers remaining schedule and the current playoff scenario. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for taking time out of your day here. You're probably catching this on Tuesday afternoon. So appreciate you uh, making us a part of your workday. And um, I'm going to try to do another episode Thursday. The the episode I did mobily, um yesterday, um, the test run there was a little choppy. I think it turned out good enough that we should be able to do a podcast when we're up there. The only problem is I've got dinner planned. Thursday night, me and Mandy are going to uh, – we're spending the majority of our time, which is really cool, on the east side of town because we always stay on the west side of town. We're really going to try to hit some old-school dinner spots on the east side of town and see some of these sites. Hopefully, we can get you guys some pictures on Twitter and uh, some firsthand account there of – of you know, kind of how everything lays out there, but I'm going to try to do a pod Thursday. It just depends on how dinner shakes out and uh, how quick I can get back and all that good stuff because we're rolling into town. I think we fly them Wednesday night pretty late, so maybe I can do when we get to the hotel. But regardless, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We'll try to get you a pod Thursday. If we don't, we'll try Saturday. We'll definitely get you a post game show Monday. I got to get someone to upload it here back um, in the studio and all that good stuff, so we got to get that ironed out. But um, yeah. Hopefully we can make everything work. But as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go!